welcome to Pre-Arb Excellence, bottoms-up Cubs podcast focused on the minor leagues, player development, the draft, international signings, and the pipeline in general. Today's episode, The Best Place on Earth, looks at the backfields in Mesa. I'm Tim, and your questions are always welcome here or on Twitter, where I'm at Tim815. The Super Bowl's over. Football is finished for another season. For another two weeks, we get to pay attention to NBA, NHL, and then baseball starts again. I'm looking forward to college games starting a week from Friday. A lot of people don't get into college, but there you go. Some of you are probably thinking about heading out to Mesa, Arizona for Cubs spring spring training. After all, with the Super Bowl over and the former Cubs pitcher's son having won the MVP, it's time to think about going out west and watching spring training games out at Sloan Park in Mesa. If you're going out there, I strongly recommend, strongly, going to the Cubs' backfields for at least a day. At least a day. What basically happens at the backfields is the minor league players are going through their paces, getting ready for their regular season. They show up a bit later than the big leaguers do because the minor league season won't start until April 8th, April 9th, something like that. I'm pretty close. So while the pitchers and catchers report in mid-February for the major leaguers, the minor leaguers show up about March 1st. And when I, excuse me, when I say March 1st, most of them will have already arrived by March 1st because you don't want to get behind the player that you're fighting for competition and for at-bats and for innings against. So if he's showing up on March 1st, you want to show up on February 22nd, or 27th at least. You want to get there early, but the workouts at the minor league camp start a bit later than the parent club, so if you get out there quote-unquote too early, you might not have a whole lot going on at the backfields. But when you do get to the backfields, and when they do have stuff going on, there are four fields, back-to-back-to-back-to-back, home plates are basically next to each other. It kind of looks like a field you'd see at a mid-level high school facility with the um, chain gates, the um, backstop, uh, and you have metal bleachers. What's fun is watching all four fields be in use all at once. After all, you have pitchers, you have infielders, you have outfielders, you have catchers. All of them have different basics they have to run through to get ready for their season. One time I remember seeing 16 catchers all on one field, 
all of them practicing throwing from the base they were at to the base opposite from them. Since you had 16 catchers, there were four catchers at each spot. The catchers at second were throwing to the catchers catching at home. The catchers at first were throwing to the catchers catching at third. So you had catchers getting used to throwing the ball across the diamond and making accurate throws because that's what catchers need to be able to do. Pitcher's fielding practice is amusing for about 20 minutes. You have a lengthy line of pitchers. Imagine 20, 25 pitchers all going through their paces. You have one catcher behind the plate. You have someone at first and you have a coach. The coach throws the ball somewhere or hits the ball somewhere and the pitcher's job is to react. Now, usually it will be a ground ball to the first baseman, in which case the pitcher watches, sees the ball's going to first base, then books on over to first using proper method and catches the throw from the first baseman. However, sometimes the pitcher cheats and tries to break over to first base a little bit too early and that's when the coach with the bat at first base plunks one down the third baseline. If there's a bunt down the third baseline, the pitcher's responsibility is entirely different than if it's a ground ball to the first baseman. Sometimes there will the coach throws the ball behind himself to the backstop. The catcher has to go pick the ball up and the, catch, the catcher has to go pitch, pick the ball up, the pitcher's job is to cover home plate. So it's making sure that the pitchers go through the things that they have to go through. You don't want to do that too often. I would imagine they probably do that about five or six times during the spring. And they do it for about half an hour, 45 minutes, making sure that everyone has a chance to do all the different things they have to do. Even John Lester has to cover first. But um, then the outfielders have their own thing. They're either tracking fly balls or sometimes they'll have a special event where they go out near the home run fence and balls are flipped over the fence and their job is to try to go up, jump over the fence, catch the ball and bring it back into play. You never know what a player is going to have to be doing on a certain day because if they know exactly what they're going to be doing, then it gets too predictable and the effectiveness wanes. You want them to walk in and have, oh, what are we going to do today? Also, they will have batting practice. They'll split up, since there are four different fields, they'll have four different people pitching and four the four different batting cages. And if you're not swinging at the time, you go out and shag fly balls or play third base and start plays from there. With the backfields, you have players trying to get onto the roster of Iowa, Tennessee, Myrtle Beach, South Bend. And if they fail to do that, they will remain in Mesa for extended spring training. That's not the goal, but it happens for a lot of them. 
So they're out there trying to learn everything they can, advance themselves as best as possible. And they warm up from about, they probably do calisthenics from 9 to 9.30, maybe 8.45 to 9.30. Then they do whatever is assigned to them until about noon, at which case everyone heads into 11.30. Everyone heads into the locker room, grabs a little something to eat, or probably more something to drink. They might grab something to eat, but... um, By mid-March, they have scrimmage games. The A-ball teams are linked together, and the double-A and triple-A teams are linked together. One of the teams plays a home game, the others play, one of the sets plays home games, and the other hops on a bus, goes over to someplace else, and plays games over at the other uh, facility. So if the triple-A and double-A teams are remaining at the facility in Mesa, the A-ball and advanced A teams head over elsewhere. Maybe they'll go play at Maryvale. Maybe they'll go play against the Angels over at Fitch Park. It depends upon who, depending on the day, they'll go play someone, whoever, whoever is appropriate. And one team, one set of teams travel, and one set of teams stay home, and the same applies for the other side. So if it is the Rockies today, then the Cubs will go visit the Rockies for two games, and the Rockies will come visit the Cubs for two games, and everyone gets to play in a game, hopefully. Pitcher, and when you have you, the backfields, the dugouts are rather small. There's no need at the backfields to have large dugouts with room for 27 players and six coaches. It's kind of, the dugouts are for the players who are playing right now in that game. And if you're not playing in the game, or if you didn't travel over to the other facility, you sit on the aluminum benches and watch the two games. So if you're among the 20 fans who are watching, more than likely, to your left and to your right, there might be Cubs players, Cubs minor leaguers, all in their gear, watching the game that you're watching. And if you turn around behind yourself, you see another game going on with more players watching that game. It's a fun way to take in a game and a it, it, it's it's a very bizarre sort of setup if you're not familiar with it. Once you get familiar with it, it's no problem. The games themselves are kind of amusing in that the game the score doesn't really matter at all, even less than during a regular minor league season. Nobody's keeping stats, well, maybe they are. But usually they're just looking to see how the players are progressing. And in spring training at the minor league facilities, nobody wants any pitcher to have to pitch too much in any one inning. 15 pitches is about the maximum. So 
if the pitcher is zooming along or laboring along, it gets to be 15, 16, 17 pitches in an inning, someone from his bench will holler out those two words. Roll them. And the half inning is over. So, for instance, you have a hitter coming up. There's runners on first and third with one out. He takes a pitch on the outs, just off the outside corner to make it three and two. Then the next pitch is in the dirt. He walks. The bases are loaded. There's a chance for a big inning. As he's trotting down the first baseline, the pitching coach from the other dugout says, roll him. The inning's over. But wait a minute. They didn't get there at bat. They did. It doesn't matter. The goal in spring training in the minor leagues is to get players ready. It's not to get players injured. The goal is preparedness, and all the other stuff is secondary. So you have two games going on at your facility. At some point, the players start to leak toward the locker room because if they're not playing about the fifth or sixth or seventh inning, they might start heading back to the confines of the locker room but it's it's a nice opportunity to watch a game and be next to geez that's a player that might be in the major leagues in three or four years sitting next to me watching the game i've i i don't in the two times i've gone out to mesa i haven't done a whole lot of hobnobbing with the players but i remember one time i had a fun little chit chat with craig brooks who's uh who was a two-way player at Catawba College and he's in the Cubs pipeline as a relief pitcher still has a chance of reaching the major leagues but he'd been a two-way player and I, I was asking him about something about the pipeline development and he started out kind of what's this guy talking about but by the end we were actually having a fun little discussion try not to do that too often because they're there for a reason and it's not to talk to us it's to get ready for the season. That said, sometimes if you're if you're genteel about it, they're pretty cool about starting up a mild conversation. I'm a little bit older than they are, so probably would have been better if I was like four or cute or something like that, or a puppy. But um, so if you're going out to Mesa, pick at least one day to go to the Cubs backfields, particularly if you're there. After March 6th, there's probably something going on at the backfields in er the first week of March. But if you're there the second week of March to the end of the uh, spring training, there will certainly be something going on there, and there very well might be something going on there as far as a doubleheader. The doubleheaders start at 1. The players head back into the locker room at about 1130 come back out around 1240 12:45 the bus from the other from the other team gets or arrives at about 12:30 and first pitch is around 1 one time i remember as players were heading into the locker room at 11:30 one of the coaches Andy Haynes who is now a hitting coach for the Milwaukee Brewers parent club not the minor leagues, the parent club, called over a number of players, one particular, one in particular, Jonathan Sierra. And 
I'd heard people talk about the load before in, in regards to hitting as far as the load is really important as far as developing power. I kind of had an idea what they meant. As Andy Haynes was talking to Jonathan Sierra, Haynes was up close and off to his off to the first base side. There was also a pitcher, a batting practice pitcher behind the L gate, the the um the L barrier, where if the pit, the hitter lines one back, it caroms off the net and doesn't hit the pitcher. So when the pitchers were when the pitches were coming from the pitcher's mound, it was coming from the pitching coach. Sierra would take three or four swings. Then Haynes would say would explain something, and talk about how okay now in the first half of batting practice today, this is what you were doing. And then, in the second half, you were doing more of this. Then there would be more pitches from the pitching coach. Then maybe a couple of short tosses from Andy Haynes. And for about 10 or 15 minutes, Haynes explained that what Sierra needed to work on was not getting his bat from his shoulder to his midsection, or working on getting the bat from contact to the extended swing, he was most concerned about the two feet between right before contact and right after contact, the load. For about 15 minutes, he talked, he talked him through what he was trying to get across, and from some lazy fly balls or random line drives the last four the last five pitches to Sierra in that batting practice four of them either one hopped the wall or cleared the barrier he was understanding the load quite well that morning if you're going out to the backfields, and I strongly recommend it. I really can't recommend it strongly enough, especially if you have kids because a four-year-old, a six-year-old kid sitting next to a professional baseball player would just absolutely make their day. Hopefully they have the, um, hopefully they understand that they should wait until certain points to get autographs. The guys are great for doing autographs at the right time. If you're going out, here's a quick map, visual map, of Rio Salado Parkway. That is where the Cubs facility is. Cubs facility is very lengthy along Rio Salado. If you get out there, you'll see what I mean. On the far right side, I don't know if it's east, west, north, or south. I'm really bad with directions, but I'm not looking at a map. There is a large hotel, Sheridan, maybe it's a Hilton, I don't know, but it's, it's a nice hotel. It's a really nice hotel. As I remember, there's a pool out in front, a fountain, which I, I'm sure is very um, natural in Arizona, in Mesa, having a fountain. So there's the, there's the hotel on the one side, then there's the big facility for the Cubs and at the very end of the facility there's the minor league section and right after the minor league section 
there is the Maricopa County Animal Care and Prevention Center. So it's basically a veterinary clinic kind of a thing, a veterinary clinic slash pound slash, uh, you know, place where you can locate and get your pets fit, um, fixed or fixed, either one. If you're going to the backfields, you want to go all the way through the hotel, all the way through, drive all the way through the Cubs uh, facility, and just before you get to the animal care center, you turn right and go in, and there's a nice little driveway, a, a nice uh, parking sp space area for people who are there specifically for going to watch the Cubs minor league players. There's a nice facility, very, uh, it, it's paved, it's, it has parking lines, and you might see a bus or two there. Find a spot. Be sure to bring something to eat because you might be there for a while and you might want to have a sandwich or a banana and they don't have any souvenirs they're selling at the minor league section. They don't have any food they're selling. There's no peanuts. There's no uh, hot dog stand. So if you're going to want to eat, bring something, bring a banana, bring a sandwich, bring an apple. But definitely if you're heading out to Mesa, especially if you're heading out with youngsters, swing by the backfields because it's the nicest place on earth. Thanks for stopping by. I'll talk to you next time. Until then, enjoy and be nice to people.